This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. Hello, Four Color Panel Pals. Welcome to the Fortress of Potitude. I'm Brian Betts. I'm Dave Michaels. And this is the Kate Podcaster's Pull List. This is a show where we turn off the TV and talk about the source material a little bit. Yeah, we figured that we talk about superhero movies and comic book movies. Why don't we talk about comic books? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's where this thing all started. We kind of thought it would be interesting to take a deeper dive into where all these characters have come from. Their, their true origins, if you will. And to see other stories that they've been involved with that are lesser known to the film watching audience for the most part. I'm not going to yeah. blanket statement that, but for the most part. Yeah. So we're going to start it off with uh, an origin story that most people have heard at this point at least one, two, 17 times. We're going to be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> still, you're still undershooting that number. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about Amazing Fantasy number 15 from 1962. The first appearance of Spider-Man. Yeah, this is a this is a very important book. It's also a very expensive book. It's an extremely expensive book. Do you have the number? <laughs> I don't. CGC. That's the company that you send your books into, and they give it a grade based on the condition and all that stuff. Uh, it, it's out of a one to no. It's out of zero to ten because you can have a point five. For the cheapest that you can get this thing a point five today. One was actually sold in February twenty twenty. This is off a of Go Collect. A zero point five is $8,750. Holy shit. A 0.5 more or less has the cover barely hanging on if it has the cover at all. That's crazy. It might be missing pages. A dog could have pissed all over the thing. It doesn't matter. You're still going to get 0.5 is it. horrible condition and it's there. Now, I don't think there are any known 9.8s or 9.6s. And I don't think I do not think there's a perfect 10 out there. But March 2020, just last month a 9.4 was sold for $775,000. Holy shit. That's a three, three quarters, quarters of, a of a milli. For a comic book. Right. A 9.6, it goes up to $925,000. Wow. And a 9.8 would go for $1.3 million. Wow. Yeah, I would put this book at number two in the pantheon of most valued comics that are out there. Oh, I don't even know what number one is. Probably Action Comics number one, Superman. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But we wanted to talk about this one just because we've talked about the Web Slinger a whole lot. Oh, yeah. And we've seen, at this point, numerous origins of him in the film world. Mm -hmm. And I think that it would be important to talk about what the creators, Stanley and Steve Ditko, actually said about him. Because it, it seems like a lot of people know the origin story but don't know all the, the minutia and the detail behind it. Like, wh what do you consider the true origin story for these characters? Is it what's in the comic book or is it? possibly what we see on screen or is it some weird amalgamation of both at this point because that's how culture works uh i think culturally you, you end up with whatever the the major beats are of each story is consistent and that's what you accept and then there's minute details in each retelling that you can take or leave i think that's pretty fair and that's, that's i know i've read about cultural icons as a whole I mean, You're not wrong, especially in today's day and age. You have to modernize some stories in order to make them work. Right. 
Right. So that means each individual retelling of this story is its own canon. Correct. But when it comes down to, you know, Spider-Man as a concept, what is his origin? It's it's the beats that every story hits. I think this story is really interesting because all the beats are there. Obviously, it invented the beats, but it's not what you think. No, not at all. And there, there's some interesting things in here that I've never seen before. So, so I know I've read this before, and I was the one who said, "Hey, we should talk about this one because I think this would be a pretty good jumping-off point for this Patreon show." Absolutely. And I know you hadn't read this before, so why don't you tell me what your what you thought this would be? What you know from culture that of Spider-Man's origin? Just really break it down fast. Well, I figured there was going to be a radioactive spider bite and a, a dead Uncle Ben. As far as Everything else goes, I wasn't sure what was true canon and what wasn't. Okay, let's let's find out what's possibly true canon, but it's definitely what the real story is. Let's yeah. figure that out. We should mention before I get started, though, that this is written by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Yeah, it's funny because we know Stan Lee today as, well, unfortunately he's no longer with us, but we know him today as having all the cameos and being the mastermind behind Marvel Comics, all the big names that you know and love, even though a lot of those names he wasn't really behind he was more behind the brand yeah yeah, he got more associated with it but spider-man that's his that's his baby this is very much a stan lee production it is and it's funny whenever you read stan lee because i feel like a lot of people haven't read stan lee and his actual work they just know (laughs) of it people are just familiar with the man not so much the writer right and he's got his own style that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine him and John Favreau sat down and had a number of beers if they could lift their hands. <laughs> it's a very heavy conversation. <laughs> right. And Steve Ditko is should be just as famous as Stan Lee. Should be. For the art that he pulled off in everything that he did. The and the rewriting that he did. Exactly. <laughs> so we're gonna we'll get to talking about them a little more after after <laughs> we go through this thing. All right. Uh, The story is split into two parts, so I'm going to start with part one. Peter Parker is your typical high school sweater vest wearing big old nerd. The kids at school really don't like him, especially Flash Thompson. But his teachers and his Aunt May and Uncle Ben all think he's pretty swell. They do, and it's funny because even in those first panels, you see Peter Parker is such a lonely guy off to the side of these panels. Flash Thompson is surrounded by people. They're talking about, hey, why doesn't Peter Parker go to the dance? And Flash is put down as, you kidding? That bookworm wouldn't know a cha-cha from a waltz. <laughs> Got him, burn. Because that's what bullies were like in the 60s, I guess. Apparently. Bullies were like, this guy. <laughs> this guy doesn't know the tango from the merengue. Got him. Oh, Sick burn, dude. Sick burn. One evening, Peter goes to an exhibit on radioactivity at the science hall. And of course... The thing that bums me out about Peter is he keeps trying, but nobody likes him. They're just like, oh, whatever, nerd. Yeah, but then he also becomes very good, like close with his teachers and stuff. How they keep complimenting, like, man, you are a okay, son. And he's yeah. like, I'm doing my best. Ah, oh, man, my, these grownups really like me. <laughs> he's like that kid who just wants to hang out with like the parents' friends and not so much the kids. Yeah. At the science hall, a spider falls into the transmitters during this exhibit and absorbs a, quote, fantastic amount of radioactivity. The spider bites Peter and dies. Yeah, um, this isn't so much a spider that was already radioactive. Right. It wasn't like an experimental spider. This spider was in the wrong place at the wrong time. It becomes radioactive, yeah. Yeah, it was coming down on a web. It just happened to be there when the machine went off and it zapped it. 
And then in a panic, when the spider landed on Peter, it bit him in a panic. Right. I find this way more believable. I do too, because I mean, a, a freaked out insect or a, like arachnid here, it's going to act in like a law of nature, if you will. It's going to be freaked out if it just got zapped and obviously it, it doesn't know what's going on. And its last instinct is to bite something as protection. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the fact that that's the thing that spiders do. They just kind of come down from the ceiling on their web and end up in places where you don't want them, as opposed to like, oh, we're doing all these experiments on spiders. It's very specific. Right. Right. I feel like in a lot of the movie versions of this telling, the spider comes down and it seems like it chose Peter in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. it's it's more direct about the way the spider has to land on. And this one, this could have happened to anybody. The spider just fell. Right. That's it. Like, it seems like it wasn't chosen. Any nerd that was at that demonstration could have become Spider-Man. Exactly. And I kind of like that. Yeah. I feel like that's that's the kind of thing that Into the Spider-Verse was trying to get to. But it was did... trying to, but it was still a radioactive spider that just happened to be cruising around. Exactly. Lightheaded Peter Parker leaves the demonstration only to be nearly run over by a car. He leaps to safety, but he lands on the side of a building, clinging to the bricks with his fingertips. He climbs to the roof, crushes a steel pipe, and crawls down a cable, realizing he has miraculously absorbed the powers of a spider. And we know he does all this because not only do we see it, but <laughs> he narrates every single bit of it. Yep. <laughs> this we, is Stan Lee. We right even get here. like random passerbys like, Mommy, that, that man is climbing up the side of a building. I like the mommy saying, that's the last horror movie I take you to. But even Peter, as he's climbing up, he says, what's come over me? I'm scaling this wall just as easily as I can walk. It's incredible. I reached the roof in just seconds. What's this? I crushed the steel pipe as though it were paper. I'm reading word for word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're seeing it all and we're hearing it all. It's insane. It's simple enough. Uh, Stan Lee, uh, show and tell. Exactly. So Peter ponders what his next move should be. And he sees a sign says $100 to the man who can stay in the ring three minutes with Crusher Hogan. Big wrestler. It's a big old wrestler guy. It's not Bonesaw. Sadly. But uh, I didn't realize how, how close the, the retelling from the Raimi Spider-Man movies was accurate. Like, I knew there was a it's wrestling very close. Bit, but Well, that's why, when, even when we talked about Amazing Spider-Man, I said it was very cool that he landed down in the ring. And that's yeah. where he got the idea for the yeah, mask. That was, it was, like, it was he, a good he, wink ding, but it was a little yeah. bit much for me. And that talent. Agreed. He goes home to disguise himself and returns to the ring. He lifts Hogan over his head and carries him up a post, easily beating him. And the crowd goes wild. Yeah, we, we see his first Spider-Man costume as well. And it's really just a white sweatshirt, turtleneck thing. And he yep. still looks like he has his blue khakis on or whatever it is. His blue pants and his dress shoes. Possibly and he just jeans. has like a, a net wrapped around his head for the most part. Yeah, that was... I was like, what is this supposed to look like? It's spiderweb, maybe, but... Oh, I have no clue. No idea. And he's he's narrating the whole thing of, I have the speed and the agility, the very strength of the gigantic spider, as he's fighting this guy. And he's like, hey! He's like, you're not human, you. And he's like, want to bet? Right. He's quippy already. After the fight, a man in the crowd introduces himself to Parker as a television producer, encouraging him to get into show business. And he gives him his card. Peter goes home and makes himself a costume and invents the web shooters. I like how we see him invent the web shooters. Yeah, it seems very easy for him to do. I don't yeah, know where he got like, this fluid from or how he figured it all out, but who gives a damn? It happened in two panels. That's it. He's like, all right, I should invent some web slingers. There we go. Right. Did it. The first time we see his mask, he's just holding it. And then two panels later, full costume. Yeah. I like that he's just holding the mask and 
Aunt May and Uncle Ben are coming in to give him crackers and milk. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this first costume? It's pretty cool. I, I still have a thing for those web wings. They're very neat looking, and they do kind of disappear and come back, especially when Steve Ditt goes on his way out. I think he did 32 or 33 issues of Amazing Spider-Man. Okay. And even when John Romita came in, it stayed pretty true for a little while, and it took a while for them to truly go away. They're pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the first Spider-Man, and it still looks so much like this today. It really does. They have not strayed very far from this design. What's very cool that Stanley did was in Spider-Man Annual Number 1, at the end of this giant issue that he had, he broke down all of Spider-Man's powers as well as his costume. Yeah. I kind of wish they would do this a lot more with other characters. We get to learn a lot of these fun comic book things that you always wanted to ask, but you can never really figure out. Like, if, if I asked you without knowing this, Brian, who are the strongest people in the Marvel Universe? Who would you say? Like, the heroes. Well, I'd probably say Hulk and Thor. You'd be right. And the thing is also listed as number three on that list. Yeah. And then it's Spider-Man. Spider-Man is the fourth strongest. Never realized that Thing was that strong. I mean, it makes sense. But Spider-Man. big rock man. Spider-Man blew my mind as number four. Yeah. But this is also, he was number four in 1964. There have been a lot of heroes that have come along since then. Yeah, there, there's been others since then. We get to learn a little bit more about his powers and what he actually can do. He does have, well, he's very strong. He can leap. He can balance. He can cling. That seems to be like his biggest thing that he could do. I always forget about the leaping. Yeah, no, he can leap. He can he, leap like a motherfucker if he, he wants to. He is hell of a jumper. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, he also has the web shooter, which he built himself, which he hides mm -hmm. underneath his wrist. He also has a utility belt, which is right. fascinating. <laughs> I always forget that That is that he long has... gone. Well, he always has the utility belt on underneath the costume. Right. And he has... Wrapped around the utility belt are the refills for the web shooter. I like that the web shooter, they break down, there's three different ways he can shoot the web. It is kind of neat how he does have to think about what he's doing. So he can do the incredibly strong line that he uses for the swinging. He can do a spray, which is more like a, a net. And he can also, uh, the third one that you never really see is the tremendously adhesive liquid. <laughs> it's just a blob of web. <laughs> he doesn't oh, really use wild. that one very much anymore. No, he doesn't, but uh, he can also tie up anyone he really wants. It says he can hold the Mighty Thing prisoner for life if he really wanted to by just constantly wrapping in webs. The web itself is 90% fireproof because they broke it down that much because why the hell not? It's yep. as stretchy as Mr. Fantastic. And then after an hour, it'll actually just disappear. Which so it covers all Fantastic Four. Seems convenient, but also uh, seems like it could be a problem. Yeah, you'd think. I know in a lot of the older comics, Amazing Spider-Man... Whenever he captures someone and he just wants to apprehend them briefly, <laughs> he will spray them and be like, see you in an hour. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of other things he could do with the web. He can make a shield with it, which we've never seen him do. I've only seen it in the video games. Yeah, which we've never seen him do a parachute. We've never, we have seen him do a safety net type thing. That's just yeah. a spider web. Right. He apparently can make a barrier. We don't really see that. I mean, Spider-Man 2 is probably the closest we get to it when we stop on the train, but that's him. Right. For some reason, they make a note that he can make skis, which is weird. That's very strange, very specific. He can make a, a raft to float down a river. <laughs> he can use it as a club or a ball, or he could just make sticky glue and stop people. Sticky glue. There you go. That's what Spider-Man can do. He also has the spider sense. And he also has the spider light, now I think about it. That's on the utility belt that he shines. Oh, and yeah. And everyone's like, oh, the Spider-Man's here. Uh, which, um, that's not anything I've seen ever, except for like the... Uh... 
the post credits of Homecoming. Yeah, no, it's pretty prevalent in a lot of the first couple years of the run, even. Really? It happens all the time. Yeah. Well, how about that? So part two of Amazing Fantasy number 15. Spider-Man becomes a TV star and a celebrity. This is an angle I've never seen before. I think this is the part that actually blew my mind the most, is that he, he becomes like an actual celebrity and TV star. Yeah, and he becomes famous for just being the Spider-Man. Yeah, just, uh, oh, it's, there he is, Spider-Man. One evening, he goes backstage, and there's a security guard chasing a thief. This all looks familiar. Very familiar. Uh, Spider-Man does nothing to stop the thief, and he escapes. And he tells the guard, hey, that's your job. I'm through being pushed around by anyone. He says, from now on... I just look out for number one, and that means me. In case you weren't sure what that turn of phrase meant, Stan right. we had to break it down a break little Break it front. down for you. <laughs> number one, a.k.a. me. And then Aunt May and Uncle Ben buy Peter a microscope, and he's like, oh, shucks, maybe not just me. I also like those two. Right. I like how we get this one panel that shows all these newspapers talking about who's the Spider-Man. Uh, who, who is he? Everyone, he's a sensation. And then there's just one paper that says Spider-Man wins showbiz award. Hey, man. There's <laughs> like nothing else listed. The Daily Chronicle knows what's up. Yeah, he plays a packed house. He slated for a new TV series. It's like he did all these things already. He didn't just dive right into crime fighting. Like he had a, a life before anything ever happened. Yeah. He's Spider-Man-like. Just, he's a whole celebrity just in entertainment. He's never done any kind of crime fighting yet. Correct. Peter comes home one day to find out that a burglar has killed his Uncle Ben. Yeah, it was a home robbery gone wrong. Yep. And uh, the police tell him that they have cornered the, the, <laughs> the man who did it at the old Acme warehouse. Why would you get that specific about it? Ah, we, we didn't catch him, see, but we know where he is. He's down at the old Acme warehouse. Second window to the left on the second story. <laughs> he didn't say that. He might as well have. Yeah, basically. So Peter suits up and he he swings to the warehouse. Once he's there, he he frightens the old burglar, robber, thief, murderer guy. <laughs> All the above. And he he kind of just covers up at the gun with the the web and punches him out. Seems like a, a very easy win for Spider Man. The guy's got no powers, and, and Petey's got all the powers, and then he just realizes who this guy is. Yeah, he recognizes the thief that got away at the studio, and he, uh, well, he wraps him up and waits for the police to come, but he realizes that if he had stopped the burglar at the studio, his Uncle Ben would still be alive, and he blames himself. And, uh, and sure we get the line, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And so a legend is born, and a new name is added to the roster of those who make the world of fantasy the most exciting realm of all! That's how it ends. It's very exciting. Very, very exciting. And that's the Spider-Man portion of Amazing Fantasy number 15. That's it. What a ride. What an origin. What a true origin, too. It's. I think this gives him more depth for as direct as it is. Uh, I don't know. The relationship with Aunt May and Uncle Ben is barely there. It is, but you only got half a book to tell it. You kind of have true. to force it. And we see he's messing around with Uncle Ben at the beginning. How Uncle Ben's, when he's all nerdy, Petey, he's saying how Uncle Ben's like, hey, don't let him eat too much. He's getting too big. I can't wrestle him. Right. All that stuff. It's like he has a good relationship with them. Yeah. And then obviously when Uncle Ben dies, it doesn't, I mean, the emotional impact isn't all there. Right. I mean, you see Spider-Man crying, but that's about. That's really all it is. Yeah. I mean, but Uncle... I feel like this is really well done, really well told to just get the point across because we don't have a lot of time. We have to tell a story. We have to tell an origin. We yeah. have to go from here. Yeah. Uncle Ben is in five panels. 
Exactly. <laughs> Amazing Fantasy is in itself a pretty cool thing because Amazing Fantasy started out as Amazing Adventures for issues number one through six, and that was June to November in 1961. So that was a short run there. Okay. Then it changed to Amazing Adult Fantasy, which Ooh. today would not fly <laughs> at all. <laughs> And it stayed that from number 7 through 14, so December 1961 to July 1962. Okay. So this is the first issue where they dropped the adult then. They were going to cancel the series, and that's why Martin Goodman, who was the publisher of Marvel at the time, gave Stan Lee, he said, hey, fuck it, do whatever you want. And he said, okay, we're going to change it to Amazing Fantasy to make it a little more kid-friendly, I think. I think that's the reason they did it, for number 15. And then, that's the end of Amazing Fantasy. Even though it is hinted at as Amazing Fantasy number 16 at the end of 15 to see Spider-Man more. But then they gave him his own book after that. Oh, wow. After it became so popular. That's incredible. I think that why they created Spider-Man is very cool. They wanted to have a character who's a teenager. We already kind of see that a little bit with like the Human Torch. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to have like a lead character, not just someone who's part of an ensemble. And they right. wanted to write a character that you can actually grow with. Well, that makes sense. Like they wanted somebody young that as you read the comics, you would be familiar with. You can relate to because the same experience. Yeah, right. It's aimed at more of like a teenage crowd and you are experiencing all these emotions that he's experiencing as he grows up. I do like the idea of having a character you get to grow up with and experience those emotions because even like an adult reader would be able to remember those emotions. And I think that a younger reader even could get behind the the colorful suit and just looking up to a, like a high schooler, kind of like you do when you're a kid. Yeah, definitely. If that makes sense. So it seems like this character checked all the boxes for everything. And obviously you get the action with the web slinging. You have a character doing things that we've never seen before, which is pretty neat. Yeah, he had universal appeal. I think this origin is very cool. It's, I really yeah. do. I, I, I don't know how it would translate today onto screen. I think it would be kind of lame. And obviously it's very quickly told and you need the filler in there. Yeah. But- I appreciate this a whole bunch, as you should, because this is kind of where it all... I'm not going to say started, because even in the Marvel world, you had Fantastic Four and a whole bunch of other things leading up to Amazing Spider-Man. Right. But I think, uh, obviously, this is the jump-off point. Why don't we give this thing a pull-list Super Stuff score to see how it really is? Just like our regular Super Stuff score, we have the 10 categories. We've changed a couple of them because, you know, music and comic books is not really a thing. But we're going to start off the same way as we always do, story and motivation. It's very short and concise. It's told, I mean, you have a you have a character who we see is the nerdy bookworm and he becomes something else. He doesn't yes. even become super. He just becomes something else in this one. I think it is a true origin because he's not really solving any crime, even though he stops the burglar at the end, the murder at the end. But we see the setup. We don't right, see right. a this full story. Intro, fighting much. a villain. Right. And to me, I think that's a really, really nicely done origin story. Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't have to see him being like the the big hero already. This is still like, oh, yeah. he's, he's just getting started. Right. He's not fighting like a man made of sand or a green goblin or anything like that. Exactly. He is literally it's, just starting. It's a burglar. And that's it. Done. <laughs> exactly. I also like that that he was a celebrity and known before he started doing the crime fighting stuff. It, I think it helps. It's a different take that I've ever seen. And it, it, it builds like, of course, there's going to be people talking about the Spider-Man once he starts doing crime fighting. Right. Right. He's going to be very well known. It's not going to be a surprise. I'm right. going to go one. All right. Especially since it's told in half a book. Yeah. Yeah. All of that fit into. That's amazing. 
very few pages is amazing. Hero. This one's tricky here because he's not a hero in this. No. In fact, he says that he's only looking out for himself. Right. I'm going to go zero for this one. And I think that's probably the best number I could give it because everything that happens after is a one. Okay. And that's okay. This is an origin. Sure. Uh, I mean, he... hmm. He does apprehend. He stops a burglar. The burglar, and they did say even the cops outside said like we can't go in there because he's going to pick us off one by one. He has uh, the advantage, and Spidey right, goes he has, in and gets him. I have the high ground, and he has one gun. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I, I think you're you want to go point two five because he stopped a burglar. I want to go, go higher than that. I want to go point two five because he's Spider Man and it's his first story, and I don't want to give him a zero. Fine deal. <laughs> Villains. It's a burglar. It's a burglar. Uh, he kills. He kills Uncle Ben. He kills Uncle Ben. He's a he's a burglar and a murderer. Success. And we, we see know... him get away with with both of his crimes technically. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he did rob whoever, and then he did kill. So, uh, and he got caught at the end. Point seven five. That's that's good enough for I, me. That seems ridiculous, but yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, parents. We usually count the Parkers as parent parental figures. Yeah. So let's go point the usual point five. The usual point five. We've we've all we've talked about Spider Man's origin enough to know. Female characters. None. Zero. There we are... have girls at the beginning and they don't do anything except right. talk about Flash Thompson now. We have this. the one girl who Peter talks to and she's like, for the umpteenth time I've I've told that's you definitely a... you're not my <laughs> that word type. is written out. And that's um uh, zero? Sounds yeah. like a zero. It sounds like a zero. It also kind of makes Peter Parker seem like a little bit of a creep. Yeah, big the big type of creep. <laughs> Setting. I don't even know if the high school was named in this thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's the only there's thing that's nothing. named is the Acme Warehouse, and that's literally the Acme Warehouse. So it's, yeah, it's it be- nothing. I mean, it becomes New York, but it, this is nothing. Yeah. This is absolutely nothing. Let's that's, go zero. I think that's, that's fair. Storytelling. This is a new category for the poll list, and it's basically uh, the pacing and, and the combination of the, the pictures and the words and, and how the story is told as a whole. Yeah, I always say that I think the most important thing in comics, and if you read the book Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud, it's fucking phenomenal. You should read it if you're into anything visual or comics or anything like that, even history. There's a ton of history involved in terms of telling stories visually. But Hmm. he'll say that the most important thing in comics is closure, and that's the space between the panels that you actually use your imagination to fill in. The off panel. And I think that's exactly, that's the storytelling of how does it flow panel to panel in order to tell this story. Because obviously we're just getting little snippets and single shots with words. And mm-hmm. that's on us to figure the rest of it out. For storytelling, I think this is a one because of how concise it is and how you can follow it A to B, no problem. And it gets the point across of this is an origin. Yeah. And you still, you hit all the beats and you have this fleshed out story told so concisely. It I might agree. even be higher than a one, tell you the truth. I might go to one five. All right. I mean. Because it, it's half a book. I can't get past that. You're right. The, the amount of story that they fit into this is, well, you know. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. It's usually the first 10 minutes of a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> exactly. Or if an amazing Spider-Man, it's the first hour. Right. That's true. It depends on how much they want to flesh out their Peter Parker. Exactly. Sometimes he skateboards and sometimes he doesn't. <sighs> that's the one we like a lot. <laughs> I agree. I think this is storytelling one and a half. Perfect. So we move on to art. Art is very unique because every artist has a different style in order to tell the story. Right. Steve Ditko, I think, is a very stiff artist for the most part. It, he starts to get a bit better as the series goes along. Mm-hmm. 
I think when he starts figuring out the character and that is interesting to see the progression of a character and to see progression of the stories and the art. And he starts using like motion, like lines and stuff. Eventually here, it's very stiff. Yeah, I agree with that. There's, um, there's not a whole lot of action built into the, the panels. Um, everything. And there is emotion built in, which is nice though. Yeah, that's true. Um, but as far as actual movement, you're not seeing a whole lot of it. No, but you're seeing emotion, which I think is important because you do see Peter crying at the end. He gets that across and you do see these bullies like laughing at him and you see him off to the side. It's really nice positioning of these panels. I also think that we should note he drew the Spider-Man suit. That's true. This is this is the mm. I think that that alone warrants a one. Yeah, I agree. Next category is writing. Stanley, Stanley, show and tell, uh, Mister Favreau number one. Oh yes, absolutely. The OF, the original Favreau. <laughs> uh, his writing's okay for what it is. He gets the point across. This is definitely Stanley. Even in the Amazing Spider-Man run, it's all the same stuff. He's constantly narrating the action as it goes along. Spider-Man's constantly talking about what he's doing. This mm-hmm. is Stanley. Yeah, that that's. That's yeah. It's a lot of uh, now. I'm going to do this. Oh, look! When I do this, yeah. this happens. So this is not a knock on Stan, but I don't think Stan's the best writer when it comes to the dialogue. No, he's definitely an idea guy. He's not a dialogue guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with the point five because yeah, he does have with great power comes great responsibility at the end of this thing, and it works. It it it, it lands makes sense hard there, in this one because it's not being yeah. told to them by you know. A guy who has no idea you have power or responsibility. Yeah, that line alone is pro- uh, possibly the greatest comic book hook of all time because he drops that line and you realize, holy shit, what's going to happen next? You're going to find out in Amazing Spider-Man. Right. And our last category is still impact on the genre. And that's going to be like the superhero genre, the comic book genre, right? Yeah. Okay. Probably a two. Uh, um, for sure a two. This I is, think we start at two. <laughs> this, this changes everything. This doesn't even change everything. This invents this almost everything. Starts everything. I mean, you still have existing superheroes, but this is plenty this of is them. The beginning of something totally new and different. Yeah, let's go with a two and feel bad about it. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, when you're trying to set your standard for your your, <laughs> exactly. your scoring system, I have a feeling we're going to get ridiculous with some of these things, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like everything we do on Patreon is getting scored. Higher than it normally would. Deal with it. (laughs) But that's because we're going to talk about the stuff we like here. Damn it. Yeah, damn it. Thanks for paying. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate the support. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to give Amazing Fantasy number 15 a total score of seven and a half. Uh, Okay. I I get that. It doesn't age terribly well, but the importance, I think, is shown. Right. You can tell it's important based on the score, but obviously there's some some issues along the way. Setting, females, hero. But they all get resolved eventually. Right. This is an origin. It's not meant to tell a gigantic story. It's meant to very quickly flesh out what's right. to come. It's, it's introducing a new story. Exactly. Amazing Fantasy number 15. There you have it. That's it. Thanks for listening. And uh, thanks for donating to our Patreon. We really appreciate your support. And we like to continue putting out stuff like this. Uh, if you have any suggestions, comments, questions, you can send them to katepodcasters@gmail.com. You sure can. I mean, some of the things that we're talking about doing on this show, uh, we're talking about doing the killing joke still. I know mm-hmm. Brian has to read it still. Yep. 
Uh, Kingdom Come is really high on the list. Absolutely. We have other origin stories that we want to talk about because we think those are interesting as hell to right. see where these characters come from. But if you have any suggestions that you want to hear, write in. Yeah, tell us what you want us to talk about. It doesn't have to be Marvel and DC. There's a, there's a whole world out there. So I guess we'll see you next time on The Pull List. Enough said! Enough said!